And joining me right now, not live and direct, but pre-recorded, but we're live uh, in your hearts and minds. Uh, Marissa, thank you so much for being a part of the program. It's a honor and pleasure to speak to you here tonight. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And uh, yes, I'm liking the bookshelf back there. I'm seeing all the books. I'm seeing the dog back there. I'm seeing what looks maybe like a salt lamp of sorts. Yes. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah, you really did. Good eyes. I know. I'm very observant. <laughs> very observant. And I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're smiling. You're having a good time so far. So far. But uh, Marissa, I must <laughs> warn you. You know, your job is actually on the line while you're doing this interview with me in real time. So if I were you, I would really watch my words because this interview, basically, uh, this is what I heard from the higher ups, uh, Marissa. Um, you know, your job kind of depends on this interview here. Oh, is that so? The pressure is on. <laughs> I may or may All not right, be lying. Well, bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> so, Marissa, what got you to sort of become the sort of PR, the media representative for PETA? How on earth did you end up there? <laughs> well, I think it really originated from a childhood of always loving animals and doing theater. And so learning how to uh, speak publicly at a young age. So um, then as I got older, I, you know, like I said, I always loved animals. Um, I think like many little kids, I said I wanted to be a veterinarian so I could save them. Then I got older, I realized how much work that is, how many science classes that is. Maybe that wasn't the right path for me. Um, and then I really got involved in animal rights. And as I learned more and more about how animals are treated in industries like the dairy industry, for example, I more and more just really couldn't live with myself if I kept contributing to that. So I wanted to do everything I could to help alleviate some suffering. So I went vegan got involved in animal rights uh, activism and outreach and education. So I started working at PETA, uh, working with other young activists, just like myself, um, college student activists, and then uh, found out that you could, uh, you could become a spokesperson. And I said, well, hey, I'm not too bad at public speaking since I've been doing theater for so long. Uh, let me give it a shot. So here I am. Very nice. And what sort of activism have you participated in just to sort of uh, get a good feel for you here, Marissa? Yeah, so I started an animal rights group at my university when I was a college student. And we did a lot of events on campus, um, some small protests, but more educational events with like tables set up, giving out like free vegan hot chocolate or free vegan chicken nuggets. And you know, pamphlets and information, um, little PETA's guide to going vegan packets. Uh, often we make a lot of cute stickers and other like fun freebie items that students would like um, that will, you know, they could use in their everyday life that have pro animal messages on them. So I did a lot of that. <clears throat> PETA actually has a campus rep program where we work with students who are actually hired as contractors on their campus to do animal rights outreach events. And so we work with them to see like what kind of events they would like to do, what would make sense for their campus, and then they fulfill that. So we still have that program today and I was a campus rep in college. Um, so that really helped bolster the things that I wanted to do on campus by you know giving me access to guidance and resources and materials. So I've done a, quite a bit of that. And then when I graduated, I they had an opening in that position to help uh, run that campus activism. So I applied for it. And then I mentored other college activists for many years and uh, pre-COVID would travel around to a lot of universities, uh, meeting these student groups and helping them, you know, do events and protests on their campus. Oh, very nice. And while you were doing these sort of, uh, well, I wouldn't say demonstrations, but I'm sure you would be out there in like a booth of sorts talking to students. Did you ever get any sort of like pushback from people that, like, I guess uh, you could say, really disliked or despised uh, PETA? Well, I think for sure, if you, you know, I think most people love animals and they don't like hearing about them being hurt, right? And certainly no one ever wants to be told that they're doing the wrong thing. So I think by challenging a lot of um, conventional beliefs or norms by 
you know, maybe people think that animals are not abused as badly as they are in industries like the dairy industry or the leather and fur industries, for example, you're definitely going to, you know, anger a few folks and make some people feel defensive. Um, and that's really never the point. It's not ever to just make someone angry. The point is to try to tell people about, you know, how, how animals are treated in these industries. This information is completely kept as secret as possible by these multi-billion dollar industries. They don't want people to know how animals are treated. Uh, so that's why we have so many under and cover investigations um, inside of, you know, showing how sheep are literally thrown down on the ground and their necks are stepped on just so people can shear their wool and then their wool can be sold, you know, for sweaters or what have you. Um, and so we have these undercover investigations because people don't know. And of course, these industries don't want people to know because, right. again, I think most people love animals. And so if people really knew that and then they were told that they don't have to support that, you know, they can buy sweaters without wool. They can buy delicious vegan cheeses at their local grocery store. Um, and, you know, we are seeing people already starting to make that switch. So that's definitely the point of all the outreach and demonstrations we do. Yeah, some people really do hate PETA and really do not align with PETA at all. And uh, I got to be honest with you, Marissa, I'm not a vegan, by the way. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, I have uh, some products that are vegan that I don't mind eating, but for the most part, I I'm eating all kinds of meat, Marissa. I got to be honest with you. I don't want to, I don't want to lie here, but I, I do enjoy, enjoy the meats. I'm sorry. I, I have to get that off the, off my chest here and be honest with you, Marissa, because honesty is the best policy. But I, sure. I love meat, you know, and I can't stop eating it. But I have seen those videos. And anytime I'm eating meat, I'm always, I'm always thinking about all the poor animals that lost their lives just to keep me sane. Well, you know, no one stopped eating meat because they didn't like the taste of it. You know, most people didn't go vegan because they, they didn't like those foods. And right. most people who are vegan we're not raised vegan or we're not born vegan. I know that's certainly the case for me. It's, you know, it's not the case 100% of the time. I've met a few people, but very, very few in terms of people who are vegan. Uh, and so, you know, it's really because of people thinking about how animals are treated and then ultimately killed, no matter, no matter how they're treated right. um, before they're slaughtered. But in America, typically over 95% of any meat, dairy, or eggs come from factory farms. Right. Um, you know, even if often we see like marketing and packaging that we'll try to have people think otherwise, um, and take advantage of people's good intentions. Um, but you know, that's, it's typically not the case, but you know, even if it was there, they are all slaughtered at the same slaughterhouse, you know, they're all strung up by their ankles and they have their throat slit often while they're still fully conscious. Um, regardless if it was a open pasture environment, which like I said, there's probably only like 4% of, you know, meat that is raised that way. Um, but even if it was, they all still reach like this, this terrible end. And, you know, animals are individuals just right. like us. And of course, they want to live their life free from human harm and to be able to do, you know, the things that make them happy and, and be with their own families and, and everything like that. Um, and, you know, in terms of eating meat as well, no one needs like just to clarify like no one needs to eat meat dairy or eggs because a healthy balanced meat-free diet uh will provide you know people with all the protein complex carbohydrates and other nutrients that they need uh and then benefit you also don't have to worry about artery clogging cholesterol and saturated fats that are found in meat dairy and eggs uh, and vegans are also at a much much lower risk of ever becoming obese or having high blood pressure, having heart disease or certain forms of cancer. Yeah, as well cancer. As cancer. Right. Absolutely. And uh, Marissa, how long have you been a vegan? I've been vegan for, I think, going on 11 years. Whoa. Now. That's yeah. a long time. Yeah. Damn, Marissa. <laughs> 11 years and uh, no meat at all. No. And I was a uh, vegetarian for a while before oh, okay. that. Yeah, I first went vegetarian because, you know, I was just, I didn't want animals to to die for my food. Right. Um, and I thought that that was enough. 
but then, you know, because of so many undercover investigations, yeah. I then learned that animals used for eggs and uh, for dairy are also all ultimately killed. So I was like, well, okay, I guess I got to go vegan then because that doesn't really make much sense. I see. And Marissa, you don't miss eating meat at all. Not even a tiny bit. No, not at all. No, because there are so many delicious options. I mean, I um, I just went to like a local sort of diner fast food place the other night and I had a, a big vegan burger and french fries and a soda, you know, like ah. there are so many delicious vegan options now that um, it really, I, I really don't miss it at all. And, you know, I think also with with a lot of things, it's just all about the seasoning and the spices. Uh, a lot of times, like with meat, a lot of times when we crave meat as like humans, biologically, uh, we are craving the fat and then the delicious seasonings that are often put on that. So that can be replicated. So you can still get that fat and you can still get those seasonings, you know, in other meals that don't contain animals. Right. And I had a few fake products myself. Um, I like to say that fake products, vegan products. Joking, of yeah, course. Yeah. Vegan products? But I've, I've had uh, some things that weren't, uh, well, actually were vegan and they weren't the, the real thing. And actually it tasted quite, quite good, actually. It, it just sort of depends who makes it really. Mm -hmm. the, that's the, kind of the bottom line. Because if something's good, it, it's, it's going to be good no matter if it's vegan, if it's not. You yeah. understand what I'm saying. Yeah, food's going to be good no matter what. And I love eating food. So that's why I, I don't discriminate. That's why I'm like, I'll, I'll eat all the meat and I'll eat all kinds of things out there. But yeah, I, I am trying to better myself and not eat so much meat because as you said, look at all the list of things you said that could happen to you if you're just uh, eating meat all the time. Yeah. Yeah. The, the health benefits are enormous. Um, a lot of people actually start to become vegan, maybe for health reasons initially, and then they learn more about how animals are treated in agriculture. Uh, and then they're like, okay, well, add that to the reason, you know, the list of why I should can, uh, continue to be vegan. Um, and also to the environmental reasons. Uh, animal agriculture is certainly a leading cause of deforestation, groundwater pollution, water usage, and land usage in general. Um, and of course, you know, methane gases right. and uh, greenhouse, greenhouse gases in general. Um, and climate change. So a lot of folks are definitely reducing their meat or, you know, skipping it all together um, for the environmental benefits. And Marissa, do you love all animals? Absolutely. You really do? You love all animals? Yeah, absolutely. They all have a right to be here, just like we do. Oh, Marissa, you don't even know. So you're telling me you, lo you, like, you like all bugs and insects, too? Well, sure. And, you know, oh, Marissa. I think you're about you're about you two minutes from getting kicked off of here i'm joking <laughs> i'm joking bugs? marissa that's how i know sometimes that god must not be real if he's allowed mosquitoes and spiders and of oh, course well, i'm sure. that's satirical i'm joking around of course but no i don't i don't like spiders i don't like uh, mosquitoes and uh, marissa i don't love all animals you know i, I don't love pit bulls Really? I really don't. That's the one breed of dog that I hmm. kind of wish was eliminated. I'm not even joking. That I'm being serious. I, I hate pit bulls. So it, it sounds like you've maybe had some bad experiences. So many. And I've been around people that bred these dogs to fight hmm. years hmm. back. And I, my goodness, the things I've seen and how people treat these dogs. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I sort of ended a friendship with a, a good friend of mine that he was a dog breeder, but he was also, you know, making the dogs fight. He had them caged up. It, he wow. really treated his dog poorly. So I thought, man, I, I can't be friends with this guy. All the, the, the entire time I'm thinking about how badly you treat those poor animals. Oh, that's no, that's terrible. I think what you oh, said yeah. is key is how people treat them um, with, with any animal, uh, I think, you know, I think it's important to not demonize any particular breed over another dog breed, because it really is all about how people treat them. And um, especially if they're breeding them, then maybe they're also breeding them to have certain uh, characteristics that yeah, I know, agree. make them more aggressive. So, you know, it's, it's so, it's so sad and it's so heartbreaking because obviously these dogs didn't choose right. to be you know, bred in this way. They didn't choose to, to 
be born in you know someone's house who bred them for fighting. You know, that's, that's, that's absolutely horrendous and disgusting. Um, you know that people would do that. Um, so yeah. I think yeah, it's, it's always it's always how people treat them. You know, we um, we have a lot of work on PETA's Community Animal Project that goes around to certain rural uh, areas that um, tend to keep their dogs outside. And, you know, we definitely see a lot of um, pit bulls uh, among other breeds. Yeah. Um, and, you know, these, these poor dogs often are chained, they're kept outside year round. And so uh, PETA works uh, around the clock um, and has thousands of cases open at any given time where we go to these properties and we work to educate people about how they should be treating their dog. We work to get them off a chain. We work to bring them inside. Um, and, and if, if we can, we work to get a, a owner surrender if they will, re, you know, refuse to treat their dog properly. So it's just, it's really heartbreaking work. I'm so glad that PETA does it though. It's absolutely crucial. I just recently, uh, I met some of our PETA rescue dogs okay. um, and they were just so sweet. Um, one, one was a pit bull mix and he was the cutest, sweetest thing I've ever seen. He was just going around like his tail was wagging. He was kissing everybody. As soon as anyone would start talking in a high pitched voice, he would run over to them all excitedly and just sit down and want to be pet. Um, so, you know, I, I definitely urge you to reconsider, you know, any, any specific um, hatred towards, you know, a breed or type of animal because it's, it's always the human's fault. Well, I have to agree, to be honest. Yeah. And uh, what what exactly are your thoughts, Marissa, on people that breed animals, uh, those breeders out there? It seems like, for whatever reason, no matter what the species is, the the people that breed these animals, there's always something a little off about them psychologically. It's mm -hmm. it's like that sort of business kind of attracts like the worst of the worst, the dregs of society, in other words. <laughs> well, you know, I, I guess I would probably have to agree with you that someone who, you know, especially cats and dogs, there is such an overpopulation crisis in America right now and in many countries in the world. Um, but, you know, we're, we're in America. So really focusing on that in particular, um, that there are millions of dogs euthanized every year in shelters who just want a home. Um, there's not enough space for them. There's not enough homes. And so uh, we are certainly against anyone breeding animals. Um, we are certainly against anyone um, buying a dog when you can just go adopt a loving dog who's looking for a home and a shelter. And, um, and then especially too with uh, certain breeds, and I don't, I don't know if you've heard, but we've uh, had a campaign lately educating people about breathing in haired um, breeds of dogs, the dogs with the shortened snouts who can't really breathe well and they kind of always sound like they're snorting around like a oh. pig. I don't um, think I'm familiar with that dog breed. Well, it it would include uh, any types of bulldog. It would include- Oh, oh I see, I see. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So any dog with a sort of a smushed face look um, to him or her, um, that is a breathing inherited breed. And actually, they are illegal in certain countries oh, wow. and in certain, uh, yeah, in certain uh, parts of countries around the world um, because it is so dangerous and it's considered so cruel to even breed them into existence because they are brought into this life having breathing problems that often if they uh, get too worked up or they get too hot or they run around, they can't breathe. And sometimes, you know, they'll, um, sounds like they're snorting. And so often people think it's kind of cute, like they're like a little pig, um, but it's not the same uh, respiratory process that is going on with a pig because the animal right. is a dog. And so it's because they have a shortened airway. Um, so there's some really great like graphics online that compare what the, the airway and the nasal cavity is in dogs who have snouts and that's how it should be. Right. And then dogs who have been selectively bred over the years to have these shortened snouts versus what their respiratory system looks like. Um, and you know, it can lead to heat stroke. It can lead to them passing out and it could even lead to like cardiac arrest or of them dying, uh, young. So, um, it's really terrible. So that, that is, you know, it's never great. It's never good at all to support a breeder or to buy your dog. When, like I said, 
we have so many animals just eagerly awaiting to be rescued um, and adopted from shelters, but it is particularly cruel to buy one of these brachiophilic or bibs as we call them uh, dogs. Right. Yeah. You, you have that, by the way, that, that problem with the, um, with pugs, by the way, a lot of them are. Oh yeah. Yep. They're, they're included in they that, got as that well. issue. Yeah, there's several other breeds that I'm not listing there as well. I think even uh, boxers have shortened snouts, oh, that's right, although yeah. not as shortened as some of the other dogs, like, like pugs and bulldogs um shih tzus yeah so any dog with that shortened snout is included in that and by the way marissa one of the other things people have pushed back on with PETA are quote-unquote extreme tactics what, what do you make of uh, those folks out there that say well PETA, you know they do these really extreme sort of graphic ads and they're very provocative and controversial yeah, well, I guess my first question would be, what's an example? You know, what are we calling um, provocative or extreme? But if you're mentioning, you know, for example, something um, that's graphic uh, in terms of, you know, maybe graphic, that's probably because that's showing what is happen happening to animals. Um, so if it's a, a video of an undercover investigation, for example, um, it is terrible to look at. Like I said, I don't think anyone, well, most people don't like watching that type of thing. Um, it is upsetting, um, but it is upsetting what's happening to the animals and right. we can't just all pretend like it's not happening. And so sometimes actually seeing that really horrific upsetting footage is what we need to kind of get someone's attention and to kind of wake people up sometimes from this, you know, from this, busy world that we all live in where we have this cognitive dissonance where we kind of all know that animals are killed for food but people don't really like to think about it and they don't want to be reminded of it right um, then they maybe lie to themselves that it's okay or the animals are treated fine or or something but that's what that footage is there for um is to try to get people to make a difference and you know what it works it really does um so many people have gone vegan and started their journey to try to uh, reduce suffering towards animals by seeing footage like that. I know I myself, I went vegan because I saw footage of a baby cow who had just been born mm. to their mother being dragged away from their mother in a dairy farm. And the baby's being dragged by his hind legs through a bunch of hay on the ground. And the mother cow is crying and she's trying to chase after her baby but she's being held back by several men. And that completely broke my heart. And that's standard industry practice in the dairy industry. That happens millions of times <laughs> every day. Well, now I'm disturbed, Marissa. Yeah. So, you know, that, so that footage is, like I said, hard to see, yeah. you know, we, we're not happy to like make people upset, but if we can make people upset in order to get them to do something, then we're going to keep doing it because it is working. And uh, Marissa, one of the reasons why you are here was to talk about uh, another sort of um, ad, except this time I don't really think it's that controversial. I mean, I, I've seen it. Um, and the, I'll actually, I'll play it for the audience right now. If, if you don't mind just uh, sitting back for oh, yeah. just a, a quick moment here and we'll play that audio. Which is kind of um, kind of cool because I watched The Sopranos, of course. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a little bit, you know, I was a little bit young when it first appeared. But, you know, later on in life, I caught up with it. And you know what, you know, you, you, these shows come out and you don't really know too much when you're growing up. But then as an adult, you see them and you're like, whoa, that's, it hits a little bit different, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my parents were big um, Sopranos fans, but... Um... They would always make me leave the room. <laughs> they would watch it. So. They tell you to get out, yeah. Bedtime. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Well, let me press play here. And uh, for those who have not watched it, go ahead and look it up on YouTube. I'm sure you'll find it. Just look up PETA and uh, you'll pretty much find it. It 
that's my cheese. Please don't, okay, please don't take my cheese away. Please, please don't take my cheese away. Please don't take, please don't take my cheese away. Please, can I please have my cheese? Please don't take it. Oh, my cheese. And I was gonna make pizza. For those who obviously can't see that, there is that cow chasing a small calf in the back of a truck there. Pretty dramatic. Heartbreaking. Yeah, it's very, very dramatic. And this ad, will it be actually airing during the Super Bowl, though? I, I had read stories that right now they're kind of like uh, laying back on what's well, what's what some people would consider, quote unquote, controversial. So last I heard is that it would be airing in New Jersey ah. um, on the weekend of the Super Bowl. Oh, ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But New that, Jersey. Yes. I like that. Exactly. Yeah. That Well, that's going to work. Right. That makes sense for the Sopranos. Right. <laughs> Maybe not for the folks in California. They might not. They might have forgot. I don't know. But um, <laughs> yeah, for those on the East Coast and think, well, I'm actually in California, in Southern California. Uh, in case anyone didn't know that. So, I mean, I would uh, love that. I would appreciate that very much if I saw that. Yeah. And even much more uh, the folks out there in the East Coast who I'm sure they still love and watch The Sopranos almost every day. And they say things like, oh, you know, things of that nature still, which is always fun. Yeah. I mean, I still say that every now and then. It's a classic. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a good one. It's a good one. And um, how do you feel about this commercial? Or this this ad. Well, I'm so excited that Edie Falco is in it. I mean, what an icon! And you know, it's really interesting. I we have a an interview with her on uh, Peta's Instagram. Nice. Where she talks about you know kind of what went into making this ad and why she felt so passionate about doing it and wanting to be involved. And she said because it spoke to her as a mother who wants to protect her own children, just like mother cows do. You know, and she talks about that. A lot of people don't know, like all mammals, cows only produce milk when they give birth to babies, when they have babies to feed, you know, just like humans. So some people just think that cows produce milk all the time and they're just ready to be milked at any moment for, you know, humans or something. Um, but that's not the case at all. You know, they are forcibly impregnated they carry their babies for about as long as humans do nine months and then they give birth and they have their calves taken away from them often within hours of giving birth uh so that way their milk can then be you know their udders are hooked up to machines and their milk can be bottled and sold to sell for human consumption you know meanwhile their calves are either um Maybe if it's a female calf, they are kept in this dairy farm so then they can have the same fate as their mother. But of course, they're still separated um, for a while because the mother is never allowed to feed her own baby in these dairy farms. Um, or the baby is sent to uh, be raised and then slaughtered for beef. Or the baby is sent to veal, um, which is also particularly cruel, where you know, baby cows are kept in small crates for a period of time where they're not uh, allowed to really gain any muscle. They can't move around. They're, they just want their mothers and they just want to milk from their mothers, but they're kept in these crates and then they're slaughtered at just a few months old. Aren't you glad you don't work on a farm? Yeah. <laughs> what would that be your, your personal hell in your mind? Well, you know, it's interesting. We, um, we do definitely hear from a lot of people who work on farms and, and those are often the ones, uh, giving us undercover investigation footage, mm. um, because they, they see what's happening and, uh, you know, they, they need to speak up about it. So, you know, they're, they're truly heroic in that sense. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's really amazing. And there's also so many farmers or people who've worked in farms who have transitioned their career or their industry to, um, to no longer contributing to it. 
Um, so maybe they start an animal sanctuary or they start growing mushrooms, for example. Um, and so they're still profiting. They still have this career, but no animals are being harmed. So, um, you know, for some folks, sometimes, you know, they were born into working on a farm or, you know, often in the case of slaughterhouses, for example, many people don't want to work at slaughterhouses and it's maybe the only job they can get to put food on their table. Um, so, you know, we never want to, to demonize any of those people in particular. And it's more about the industry at large and how all of us, we can vote with our dollars and we can choose to not support these industries that are incredibly cruel to animals and often cruel to their own employees, uh, human employees as well. Um, and instead, you know, put your money towards vegan companies that are coming up with, the, you know, these delicious vegan alternatives or to just, you know, good old fruits and vegetables and mushrooms. Marissa, what if I told you that I was a big game hunter and I just loved hunting all the time? Would you be angry at me? So like a trophy hunter? Yeah. Would well, you think I was like a, the scum of the earth? <laughs> Are you a big game hunter? No. Okay. <laughs> I have, I, I will say one thing though. I, I knew a guy, not a big game hunter, but I, I knew he's like kind of like a deer hunter. Not he wasn't doing all the time, but you know, he would come back and he would uh, kill whatever he would eat, whatever he killed though. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And one time he actually uh, invited me over for dinner and he didn't tell me exactly what we we're going to have. And it ended up being like deer heart. Mm. And I wow. ate it. Mm -hmm. And it, it wasn't that bad, but it was definitely something a little bit different. I got to be honest. Mm -hmm. Not exactly uh, what I preferred to be quite truthful to you and to the audience out there. But it's a little <laughs> funky. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. But some people love some people love that deer meat, though. Mm. Mm -hmm. Not my cup of tea, though. No. Well, you know, whether uh, we're talking about a deer who was killed in the woods for someone to eat, or we're talking about a cow being killed in a slaughterhouse for someone to eat, you know, they're, they're both animals who wanted to live and eating meat is completely unnecessary for humans. That is a choice that people are making that is not necessary. It's not crucial. So, you know, either way, I kind of feel the same about it. Um, you know, personally, I, you know, of course I've met people who have hunted before and I've talked to people who have hunted before. Um, I, you know, think it's a waste of my time and energy to just get angry at them. Um, but you know, personally, I am a little off put if someone is okay yeah. with killing an animal with their own hands, I'd be a little concerned. It, you know, we see, um, People, a history of people who are often cruel to animals, especially at a young age, go on to kill humans and become serial killers. So personally, I'm a little off put, of course. And um, But at the end of the day, whether someone's paying an industry to kill an animal for them or they're killing an animal for themselves, an animal is being killed either way. And so both situations are not at all ideal because not very that, good yeah yeah that animals are individuals they want to live their lives um and that it's unnecessary um for the most part for for most people you know we're we're talking people who have access to a grocery store and right. have you know some some basic income to go buy groceries um you know so we're talking about people who have that choice you know most most people in america and our society do have that choice um, you know, to go buy something else at the grocery store. So in those situations, you know, certainly uh, hunting is unnecessary. Absolutely. Well, I will definitely try to eat less meat. I mean, I've been promising that and I have though. I've been, I've been good on my word. I've been uh, letting, letting go of uh, eating as much meat as I have. What are some of your favorite vegan products that you've had? Like the vegan meats or have you had any vegan cheeses? I've had a lot of vegan cheeses though. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah? What are some of your favorites? Some of my favorites? Well, you know, there, there's there, there's a lot of, um. let's see, what exactly have been my favorite vegan 
cheeses. Um, I've I've had a vegan cheesecake, by the way. Oh yeah. I, well, yeah. I don't know if that counts, but I mean. Oh, hundred percent, it does. Yeah, I mean, because a non-vegan cheesecake would have cheese and dairy, right. you know, all coming from the farm that we're talking about. So, yeah, that's great. I've had a few different ones. You know, I think with any of the vegan cheeses or vegan cheesecakes, uh, even the you know non-dairy milk options, there's so many different types out there. You know, that's the thing with um, you know most time with milk, you know, we're just talking cow's milk for the most part. But with vegan milks, you go to the store and you see almond milk, soy milk, oat milk now is so popular. Um, you can even get like really fancy and get like macadamia nut milk. Oh, um, that's true. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You can get cashew milk, rice milk. I mean, the list really goes on and on. So, By the way, by the way, vegan yeah. shrimp. Oh, yeah. Delicious. Yes. I yes. love seafood, by the way. And I accidentally, accidentally grabbed a vegan shrimp one day and I didn't even know. And they looked at the bag and I'm like, oh my God, this isn't even real and it's this good. Oh my gosh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've had it at a few like restaurants or functions before and it's been really good. I um I definitely used to love uh, you know, seafood. So yeah, now there's there's vegan shrimp, there's vegan um garden fishless fillets, and they also make um Gardein makes a crab cake that's super delicious and um, I've also made at home, they are made out of trumpet mushrooms, but oh. they resemble scallops and they taste like scallops. They've got the chewiness. Again, it, it's really, I think a lot about the texture right. and the fat and the seasoning. So, um, yeah, it, it tastes like scallops to me. Nice. We, we love mushrooms here, both, both normal and uh, abnormal kind of mushrooms, by the way. <laughs> We love that here. Nice. Absolutely. We we uh, don't discriminate against the mushroom species at all, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's so many great ones out there. Um, I've also, I recently saw a recipe for that looked amazing. I think it was, uh, it was like trumpet mushrooms and they shredded them. So they were almost like a pulled pork. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I was like, "Wow, I bet, I bet that tastes amazing." Actually, that reminds me of like jackfruit. Have you had jackfruit? I've had, yes. Yeah. What do you think? I think it's not a, bad. I mean, yeah, you sort of have. Well, I was going to say it's not an acquired taste, but yeah, well, I mean, it might be for some folks, depending yeah, on your palate of uh, your your taste palate, rather. I yeah, I feel like with jackfruit, it's more of a texture, like you know, same with like tofu and some mushroom well some mushrooms are very flavorful but some of this stuff is really just not that flavorful like you know i would argue most meat is not actually flavorful either it's just the seasonings that we put on it so with jackfruit i think the texture has actually when i first started eating it i hadn't eaten meat in a long time uh and i couldn't eat jackfruit because it reminded me too much of pork oh like, I yeah I, I didn't believe it. I'm like, are you <laughs> vegan? You know, kind of freaked me out. Um, but and, I eat it all the time now. And nice. it's, you know, I, I don't think it has much of a flavor because I can put different sauces on it and do right. different, put it in different types of cuisines. And, it, you know, it kind of just fills that um, in whatever, whatever sauce I put on it. And, and Marissa, do you even recall, do you have any like recollection of uh, the last meat related food you've eaten? Mm. You know what? Um, the other day, a couple weeks ago, I ordered a sandwich from a restaurant that was doing a new vegan special, and it was like a bagel sandwich, and it was supposed to be kind of like a lox, but it was um, carrot that had been um, um, like pickled or something to resemble like the flavor of lox, like with caper juice, you know, um, and. I took a bite out of it and I immediately spat it back out because they did not give me the vegan version. They gave me actual salmon locks and I, I had to wash my mouth out. So really? Out. It, it, <laughs> yeah. it got, it got to you that much. Oh yeah. It wow. Just, you know, just thinking that it was, it's, it's a dead body, you know? And so I just think of all the, um, you know, besides the horrors of, you know, what that animal went through for right. the last moments of their life. Um, the bacteria and the parasites mm. and you know with fish as well you don't know with fr with fish there's really no um well with any animals there's no good way to choose like 
you know, the, the type of meat, but with fish, I think some people think, okay, farm raised is better. Um, but if you've seen any documentaries that show how these aqua farms um, are, they're horrific. And then they think, okay, well, wild caught is better. But then, you know, again, the fish, you know, went through the same horrors, if not more. Uh, and then you hear about mercury and you hear about microplastics. Um, so all of that running through my head when I took a bite and I was like, that is not kerosene. <laughs> <laughs> and you knew right away it was real. Yeah. You know, I thought it looked a little like I've had carrot locks before and um, I feel like it's usually a brighter orange um, than salmon because most salmon, I don't know if you know, especially if it's from a farm, it's dyed to look orange. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it wasn't as orange as I thought. Um, and I was like, hmm, that's kind of weird, but you know, I didn't really inspect it. Um, and <laughs> I could just tell by the, the texture. I mean, especially with that, because you know, carrot locks, I think it's delicious. Like I love like pickles and capers and that kind of like saltiness. Um, but it's not like the texture of carrot. It doesn't really compare to, you know, salmon, for example, <laughs> whereas like actually with, you know, some of these vegan burgers, I think it would be a lot harder. There's been many times I've had a vegan burger somewhere and I have to ask repeatedly if it's vegan because the texture to me just, it would have me convinced. And I've definitely had, you know, non-vegan friends uh, say the same thing and not really even know at first when they take a bite. And then I tell them. <laughs> Understood. <laughs> and, like, oh. <laughs> and by the way, um, I assume both of your parents are still alive and kicking. They are. And how do they feel about you, you know, going down this road here? Because I'm just assuming here that they're not vegans. You know, actually, they Oh my God, are they are. Now. You, they you are. turned them. Mm-hmm. I did. <laughs> Mar Marissa, you corrupted them. <laughs> Jokes, of course, but, but you got them to go full vegan. Yeah. So my mom is definitely the reason why I went vegetarian. Her and I went vegetarian together when I was younger. Um, she always loved animals as well. And um, so she had started learning more about how animals are treated and learning more about their complex inner emotional lives and, you know, reading some books about it. So she started to want to go vegetarian and um, we were always really close. Um, so she, you know, told me like one day we were driving on a road trip and um, we passed a field of cows and uh, I just thought they were so cute and was going on and on about it. And, uh, you know, we had, we always had lots of um, adopted cats and dogs uh, when I was growing up, always finding animals who needed homes and, you know, we'd, we'd bring them in. Um, and I was like, oh, they're so cute. And then my mom just kind of like gently told me the truth of, you know, that like when you get a burger, like when we go to McDonald's and like a happy meal, like that's where it comes from is those cows. Yeah. They're not very happy. No. Not happy at all. Yeah, it's not a happy meal um, for them. Exactly. Um, and I'm so grateful that she told me that at such uh -huh. a young age. I was like six or seven at the time. Um, because she she obviously gave me the choice, I think, for a while. So my dad was still eating meat. Um, and you know, if he'd had a steak and he'd be like, Oh, you want a few bites? And so sometimes I'd still like have a few bites, but then kind of just over time I was like, Oh, well, if those animals are just like my like cats and dogs at home who I love, right? you know, like I was like, Oh no. So I became a vegetarian. Like I said, it, you know, it was a very, at that time, you know, and where we were living, it was a little hard. So I think, you know, we stopped um, eating most meat and then might have some like chicken or fish still for a while occasionally. Um, and then of course, then we learned, you know, chickens and, and fish are just as emotional as cows and pigs. And, you know, they are just because they're a different species doesn't mean that they deserve to be killed and the other one doesn't. So um, so then we kind of went full vegetarian when I was a little bit older. So I think that definitely plays a big role. And like I said, when I went vegan for the reason of not wanting animals to be killed for my food, my mom was immediately on board. She was like, okay. <laughs> so like she went vegan around that time as well. Um, and my dad was um, still in the Marine Corps at the time. Um, and so it was, uh, I think a little harder for him to make that transition being, right. you know, uh, in that environment at work. 
Um, but he eventually did because um, I just remember years ago, he saw a video of cows being like released from uh, a large, like, like a barn, like a bunch oh. of cows like confined in some barn yeah, and they got released out into this field and they were running around and they were playing with balls and toys and like chasing each other. And they were just like frolicking. It was such a heartwarming video. And I remember my dad started crying from that video. Oh wow! And so he, uh, he no longer wanted to eat any animals. And um, he's also always been very health uh, conscious, you know, the Marine Corps, they're always in great shape. Right. Um, and so he always, was always very health conscious as well. So that was another big motivator for him to go vegan. And so, yeah, so both my parents are vegan. So we have, you know, vegan Thanksgivings and vegan Christmas and Easter and, you know, all the, all the family traditions. And we have, and that doesn't alienate the other side of the family. Well, we, I'm an only child. And, um, you know, growing up as a military, uh, my dad was in the Marine Corps. For oh, so he years, moved so. around. We moved around. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. um, yeah. So we don't always get with, um, family. family because they're a little further away. So, um, yeah, but, um, but certainly, you know, we bring people in and have non-vegans over for some holiday meals. And, um, I always am sure to make a really good vegan cheese board when I have non-vegans over and it's always a crowd pleaser. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Well, I'm glad that you can still remain on good terms with people that are non-vegan in your personal life. Yeah, certainly. You know, like there's I some said, people that there, there's some folks out there that that can be. They're very, you know, if you're not on board here, then we are done. Well, you know, it can be difficult, I think, for any any of us humans to be around people who don't have the same beliefs as us. And, right. You know, certainly when you go vegan. Um, and, you know, I don't mean to say it like as if it's an overnight thing. <laughs> right, right. Not. <laughs> yeah. But I guess the better phrase is really like once you you start to open your eyes to what's happening to animals on this mass scale in our food system um, and our, you know, our clothing industry and animal testing and animals use for entertainment, you know, but really the list goes on and on. But once you start to open your eyes to it, it, it is really horrifying and it is it is really um, upsetting and confusing. I think that that it's all happening around you. Like, it's kind of surreal. Um, you're like, wait, what is happening? And everyone's just okay with it. And we're just all participating in this. Um, you know, this doesn't seem to align with, you know, the people I know, their values, but yet here they are, act, you know, supporting these industries and acting in this manner, um, not really aligning their lifestyle with their values. So, you know, I, I do have sympathy for that. I think that's probably what a lot of people are going through, but Ultimately, um, you know, being vegan is just about doing as little harm as you can right. to animals and to the planet and to other people. Right. So, um, that's, what, what that's really what it's about. It's not a, right, it's right. not, you know, like a cool person club or anything. <laughs> like, so sure. I love to have people over and show them vegan food. Of course, you know, I hope that I'll inspire them. I know I, I've been told that I have inspired a lot of my friends over the years to to go vegan. Oh, that's or, that's good. Or try to so um yeah so that's you know that's a great opportunity for me sure one of the things i was kind of referring to in the back of my mind that should have been a little bit more blunt with it was the fact that in in some in in some relationships it's it's caused a problem and even even some friendships or marriages and in divorce because the partner goes vegan and the other partner um, stays eating meat and they one thing leads to another there's been a lot of stories like that in the media for a long time so th this can definitely cause a rift and that's sort of along the lines as as what i was trying to refer to here um and luckily i don't know if that's ever been a problem for you if maybe you had like a boyfriend or something and y you know you're a vegan and he's not and you two clash every now and then, and then that probably ends the relationship. I mean, these sort of things do happen. And I know we're just talking about food and people are thinking, well, you know, food doesn't, it's not really a problem, but actually it, it can be a problem. Yeah. Well, you know, I will say ever since I've been vegan, um, every person I've dated has gone vegan since we, when we started dating, um, 
And that was always their choice. That was never an ultimatum or even an ask. But I think it was just the fact that they were around me and then I was vegan. And Marissa, you forced them. How dare you? No, never, You never, forced never. them. That you got to them. That way to start <laughs> off a relationship. Busted, Marissa. <laughs> but I think it just, you know, if you show someone why and you show them how to make that change. And, you know, usually if you're dating someone, you're with them quite a bit and you can help cook. And you can show them how to cook and show them what to buy. And, you know, maybe they watch a documentary here or there with you about um, the the food industry and how animals are treated. And it just honestly was a really organic process um, in all those instances, which was definitely really fortunate. I know that doesn't happen with everyone. Um, I, yeah, I don't, I, I think with someone being vegan, you know, it clearly, um, it clearly is a decision that someone is making because they care right. a lot about whether it's animals or the environment um, or their, their health. But especially if you're, if you're doing it um, for the environment or for animals, I think it would be hard to be seriously involved with someone who wasn't like, I think it would be very difficult for you to live with that person because when you live together, you cook together you yeah. buy together. And, um, I think that that would be extremely challenging, but, you know, I could say the same about a lot of other uh, beliefs or lifestyles. You know, if you're too different from your partner, that, that is going to bring some challenges. But are you willing to compromise? I think with maybe uh, a little bit. Well, certainly with a, with, well, certainly if I met someone, you know, like, and they weren't vegan, like I said, like in all my previous relationships, actually, none of them were vegan when we met, but they did all go vegan pretty quickly after we met. Um, I, I'm engaged and in a very long-term serious relationship now with someone who's been vegan since we started dating. Um, I don't think I could um, be in a serious relationship with someone who wasn't vegan. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Definitely not. Because, because I would say, Hey, you know, this is important to me and this is why I do this. You know, I would show them, some videos and some documentaries and if it wasn't as important of enough of an issue for them yeah i don't think you know i could really like share my life with someone right. who didn't have those same values as me understood but yeah that being said i have many many very close friends who are not vegan but i definitely think a friend versus you know someone you're going to share your life yeah, with yeah that's pretty major definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty major. But can you imagine, uh, Marissa, this conversation flipped around and it was like, um, like a Christian and my boyfriend or girlfriend's a Muslim or Jewish. And I mean, ooh, now that would be a big problem for some well, folks. But, I mean, you people, know, people do say you can work it out. Yeah, you can work it out somehow. Yeah, I, I think for, yeah, for a lot of people, if something is really important to them, whether it's their religion or maybe their politics, or um, maybe it's, you know, really important to them that they go to the gym every day for two hours. And it's how much you love that. Per it's, it's, the, it's the, uh, the important factor of how much you love that person, I guess you can say, and how much you're willing to compromise to keep things going. Right. Well, how much you're willing to compromise, but, you know, also just kind of what you have in, in common, you know, yeah. I think, I think it's important to to have a lot of your core values, you know, lined up with someone. And and you know, with I think when if you spent a lot of time with, you know, someone who worked in the animal rights um, mm -hmm. field, and you know, this was their passion, like myself, and this is my passion, and I you know want to educate people about how animals are treated, and you know, because again, I I just don't think most people want this. Like, I really don't think most people know about it. I don't think they truly want this. Yeah. So I think really education and options are the key. Um, and so if I just lived with someone day in and day out and they weren't responding to any of that, mm. you know, I think there would be, it's a much bigger problem of, oh, what are we having for dinner today? <laughs> right. I agree 100%. And uh, Marissa, are, are you religious at all? Personally, No. So would you identify as, let's say, like an atheist then? Um, maybe more like agnostic. Or an agnostic, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm open-minded. Yeah. Not exactly religious, but I'm kind of along the same boat as you are. Yeah. 
but you know, I yeah. like to, I would, I'd like to believe that there's a God though. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to <laughs> believe in a lot of things, you know, I'd like to believe that I, uh, I have the Jeffrey Epstein money and I own a million Island, you know, <laughs> I mean, that'd be a nice fantasy to own an Island. I mean, let's be, of let's course. be honest. Yeah. I mean, who yeah, wouldn't, definitely. yeah. Who wouldn't want those sort of financial, that financial freedom? Yeah. But of course definitely. we don't want to, yeah, but, but let me just uh, say this. No, we're not saying that we want to be calm Jeffrey Epstein or want to be like him. No, I would take that island and, you know, make it a, a cow sanctuary. Right, yeah. All the cows in the world that I could. And, um, <laughs> you know, that, re that reminded me, on an island. Marissa, that reminded me of that cat island in Japan. Oh, Have yes. you seen that? I have, I vaguely heard about it. I thought you were going to say about the, um, like pigs in the Bahamas. Somewhere? I've seen that. Yeah. The, the, the pigs, there are pigs out there in the Bahamas. A lot uh -huh. of tourists love that, but you know, I, I love cats. I gotta be honest. So the whole cat Island thing, that's a bit more right up my alley. <laughs> that's kind of cool. So are they, what, yeah. What's the deal with the cat Island or did someone bring them there? Are they just living outside? Yeah. They're just all wild? over. Yeah. They're just all over in, in Japan. And I'm not even going to try to pronounce some of these, uh, some of these names, even though I am biologically, uh, half Japanese. Oh, cool. So I'm not really an outsider, but I have, I don't know anything about Japanese culture though. But yeah, there's dozens of, uh, what's called or what are referred to as cat islands around Japan. And they were left there basically. And some people bring them over. But the cats outnumber humans out there six to one. Oh my. So isn't that insane? You hear, you know, if you ever walk out there, you're going to hear cats crying and oh calling for you. That's got to be, um, in a good, in a way, that's kind of fun. But then if you think about it, if you ever actually had to sleep there, my God, I don't know about you, but uh, the cat I own here, you know, they're crying at like 4 a.m. to be let out. And that gets annoying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say, I I wonder if all of the local bird population has just been completely completely wiped, right? Yeah, yeah, because you know, with with having cats outdoors, oh yeah, uh, you know, really dangerous for the cat and and really bad for the ecosystem. That's true. And uh, Marissa, my goodness, we have just sort of flown on by here. It's been already like an hour. Wow, time flies. It really does. I was having such a great time talking about cats and uh, food, all the all the all the wonderful things about being alive. Yeah, yeah, cats and food. <laughs> yeah, we we talked about everything here. We kind of went full circle, which I appreciate here on the program when we could talk about this and that and the other and bring it full circle here. And that's what that's basically what life's all about, uh, Marissa. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad you're doing something that you care about and means something to you. And um, I, I guess. I guess we're pretty much uh, done here, Marissa. I, I had a great time and I wish you the very best in your future endeavors and with uh, PETA. And uh, one last thing, though, what exactly do you want out of being, you know, a part of PETA? Do you want to like branch off anywhere else? Uh, do you want to just stay with the company? Um, am I going to have to like, you know, talk to uh, the, the one of the founders again and maybe like, you know, do you know get, get you in a higher position what am i gonna have to do uh, Marissa? Put in a good word. <laughs> let me know yeah i put in a good word for you you know um i've been at PETA for eight and a half years and um like i mentioned right uh right when i graduated and it's it's been a great ride it's been a it's been a wild ride i moved to la to work in the la office after i graduated college on the east coast um and then now i'm back on the east coast um working remotely closer to my family and uh, I've had, you know, a few different roles at PETA. Um, right now I do uh, social media management as well as um, spokesperson. So um, I'm, I'm really enjoying that. You know, it's, like I said, just to be able to have uh, opportunities to talk to people like you, um, you know, with platforms, with audiences, to talk about these really crucial issues, you know, like I mentioned that millions of animals are killed every day for food in the United States. Um, and that's not even touching on some of these other issues of animals, you know, being used for animal testing or um, animals used for entertainment. You know, right now we have an action alert for 
an elephant who was stolen from the wild and who was in a circus and oh last for her whole life um in a really upsetting you know yeah. instance so just having opportunities like this to to talk to people about how every animal is an individual and how we all have that power to make positive change in our life to better align our lifestyle with our values and especially in in terms of food you know you're you can have that opportunity for change and growth uh at least three times a day that you sit down for a meal you know maybe if you have more than three meals a day then you can have that opportunity more throughout the day um so i think it's a really positive encouraging thing that um i'm just really happy to you know continue doing that so yeah, very, uh, very happy to see where this continues to take me. Very as nice. As, I, as long as I'm fighting for the animals, I'm happy. Very cool, Marissa. Well, once again, thank you so much for being a part of the program. I will see you on the other side. Thank you so much, Michael, for having me. I really appreciate the time. It's great chatting with you.